Before we get to the show, we have some exciting news to share about a chance to experience Post Reports live. On April 13th, our host, Martine Powers, will be live in conversation with best-selling author Curtis Sittenfeld. She's the author of books you might know like Eligible, Prep, and American Wife. Her latest novel is Romantic Comedy. It tells the story of a late-night comedy writer's search for love. Curtis has this tremendous talent for bringing complex women to life on the page. It is on full display in this new book, and Martine has been all about it. The conversation will be live on April 13th at 7 p.m. in Washington, D.C. at 6th and I in partnership with Politics and Prose. The event will also be live streamed, so there's still an option if you can't make it to D.C. You can purchase tickets at 6thandi.org. That's S-I-X-T-H-and-I, the letter I, dot org. We'll also have more details in our show notes, and we hope to see you there. When I think of Ahmed, for me, it's the name that I was called with so many times and so many occasions with so many memories. Ahmed Ibrahim is a mechanical engineer based in New York. He's a really sweet guy. He's chatty and he's open to talking about himself. And he, like so many other people, has this strong emotional tie to his given name. It's my mom calling my name to share with me good news or or my dad yelling at me and he's using the Ahmad. Like that's usually what got me off bed. Like Ahmad. He's also struggled with his name because, well, he shares a name with one of the hijackers on 9-11. I literally had zero control over that name. And that's why I get mad when people judge me. But I understand the amount of uh, weight that is attached to such a name. He says being named Ahmed has affected everything from his job searches to his chances of landing a date. Something felt funny about certain people that would just like dissipate or, you know, I would be like, this person is a great match. How come I didn't match that person? Ahmed is one of thousands of people who reached out to Washington Post journalist Marion Jiaming Liao after she wrote a story about how, growing up, she felt the need to anglicize her name to fit in. But in the past few years, as she reported on the rise of racist attacks against Asians and Asian Americans, something changed. I felt that I was being there for my community in covering all these things and giving them a voice. But I wasn't giving myself a voice and I was hiding. I was also ashamed and scared of bearing my full self. And after witnessing a racist incident and... Running away, my husband stopped me and said, we need to stand up and be proud of who we are. And I decided to say no more and include my Chinese name in my byline. So, Marian Jiaming Liu. The U.S. continues to grow racially and ethnically diverse. And you can see that shift unfold in our names. Still, Culture wars persist in some ways, pitting Americans against each other, forcing us to consider what makes us American and to wonder what makes a name American at all. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. It's Friday, March 17th. I'm Chris Velasco, your guest host. 
Two years ago this week, a 21-year-old gunman in Atlanta massacred eight people in three separate spas. Six of those victims were women of Asian descent. It prompted a wave of reporting about racist attacks and violence. And for Marion, it began a deeply introspective journey. Today, Marion talks with my colleague Alahe Izadi about what she discovered on her name journey and what other people from around the country, like Ahmed, have shared with her along the way. So, Marianne, what has your experience been like since you've decided to use this name in your work? In that story, I included a call out to readers who felt that same need to hide, to anglicize their names, to fit in. And the response from that was overwhelming. How so? Uh, I've gotten people emailing, tweeting at me, even stopping me in on the street saying thank you for giving them bravery to share and bear their full selves. There was even a movement in New York among some girls, and they went on social media with signs showing their names. Mm. And it was like over a thousand people just wanting to talk about their name journey and feeling the same as me, being scared before, but now, you know, being brave to to show who they are. Ironically, even when my story came out and I was being interviewed by different media about the piece, they didn't even ask me how to pronounce it and they would also butcher it. So <laughs> it's... Names are tough, but they also represent your full selves, your whole identity. So wait, just so I'm clear, you go to do interviews and it's a story about your name and you've had the experience people don't even ask you how to pronounce it. I mean, I think that's actually pretty interesting that you had this mixed response and experience because I think that sort of captures what it is like walking around in this country with a name that a lot of people here are unfamiliar with, find it difficult to pronounce. I, I have to say, your story really did resonate with me. My name is Elahe. That is my given name. I didn't always go by that, though, and it's a decision I made years ago. Can you tell me the story about your name? Well, so my name is Elahe, which means goddess, which is kind of intense. I actually, growing up, thought it meant angel, but I wonder if that's because my parents didn't want it to get to my head. But yeah, it's also, I'm Iranian, so it's an Iranian name. But anyway, it is a name that has a lot of meaning for me. It was a name that really came out of my father because there's this song that he loved when my mother was pregnant with me, and it's Elahe Naz. And so I was named after this song, and he would always sing it growing up. And so... You know, that's a name that it carries a lot of emotional resonance for me. But growing up, my parents basically gave me a nickname, a shortened version of Elahe, because they figured, oh, you know, we're in America. People can't pronounce this name. So we want to make your life easier. And it wasn't until college when I took a class in Persian studies class where I was in a classroom setting where there was a professor who said my real name and could say it correctly. And it was like the first time I was in a setting like that where I heard that. You know, it was always growing up like when the teacher calls roll and they start pausing, I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> so that was like such a big moment for me. And I decided then in my personal and professional life, 
I'm going to go by my real name and this is really who I am. But, you know, it's also been a mixed experience, but I'm largely glad I did this. And Marianne, I do wonder how common this experience is in the United States. How many other people have stories like this, given the broader demographic changes in this country? That's a really beautiful story and one that is similar to the readers I interviewed. One that I talked to, a 17-year-old, Natalie, was named after Natalie Portman because her parents, immigrants from Vietnam, were worried that they would go through what the dad did, Mm. the racism and the discrimination. So they gave her a white name, and they said that she should feel lucky for that. And actually, a recent study by Stephen Wu of Hamilton College and Chiga of Vassar College found that the harder a name is pronounced, the tougher it can be for someone to find a job. That this name can signal your race or ethnicity and reveal potential subconscious bias. So definitely how your name is, how it's spelled, how it's pronounced can signal a lot. Right. It's it's not enough that we have to fit in like how we look, but how we present when we introduce ourselves and even on paper. Marion, a lot of people, as you said, reached out to you for this story, and you also spoke with someone who had sort of a reverse experience where he decided to go by an anglicized name, right? Can you tell me about him? So Ahmed was born in Egypt and immigrated to the U.S. at 19. He's now 33, and he literally A-B tested his name. My name is Ahmed, Ahmed Ibrahim. And uh, I go by Aiden. The reason why I go by Aiden is an amalgamation of a joke that started with a joke to actually a really, really, really deep and uh, sad reason. <laughs> and, and so what was the joke and the, and the sad reason? Ahmed was on dating apps and he wasn't getting matches and he tried something else. So his roommate bet that if he changed to something more, quote, American, he'll get more matches. When I changed from Ahmed to Aiden, I just, my roommate at the time, do you really bet that it's the name? You know, actually, he's the one who said, well, who wants to swipe right on a terrorist, right? Like Ahmed Ibrahim. So he's Arab like me, so he gets to make a joke like this. So I went and I changed my name. Everything stayed the same, the pictures. So I went to sleep that day and I was like, okay, I'm going to change it. We'll see what it is. I woke up the next day and my matches just, it was a dopamine overload. And I was like, holy cow, I have so many notifications. And I opened it and lo and behold, my matches are just out of control. So, so wow, like here he's saying when he was Ahmed, he wasn't getting very many matches, but he got way more as Aiden and it was just so, <laughs> such a stark contrast. I'm wondering what other changes did he notice when he started to go by Aiden? Even when he was trying to drive on Uber, people were canceling on him. To the point where when he tried something else, more American, it totally reversed. And instead of being canceled, one passenger gave him free Burning Man tickets. Oh, as a driver, someone offered him Burning Man tickets? (laughs) And... Everything else was easier. And even though he loves his name, he just goes by Aiden, even down to his email. It's not about 
pronouncing his name right, it's the connotations it has. Because one of the hijackers from 9-11 shares the same name. The fact that I was born and haven't chosen that name. I literally had zero control over that name. You know, and, and that's why I get mad when people judge me. But I understand the amount of uh, weight that is attached to such a name and, and all that. And I want the people to look at me and consider me someone called Ahmed. Wow, that's different. But consider me a blank page. Don't put predeterminations on me. That is what I really would love. And sadly, when I used Aiden, it gave me that. Marianne, just hearing him, it's it's his story. It's so many other people's stories where they didn't choose their names, but they also didn't choose the like broader circumstances that they were born into. And just the sort of like prejudice that can go along with having certain names and having to walk through the world with those names. But I'm also like thinking about this idea of going by a nickname or an anglicized name. And I'm thinking about how for generations, immigrants have come to this country and changed their names or their names were changed for them. Maybe in more recent years, they would go by and people go by these other names because it's like a matter of convenience when you're moving to a new country. Maybe you don't know the language and you just need to make it in this country. So the name thing might just not be on your top list of priorities. And I'm wondering if some of these conversations that you've been having, if they're like with a younger generation who maybe were born here or are, you know, of a different era. And in some ways, it's like maybe even a privilege that they have the opportunity to go by their real names and insist on doing so. I'm wondering, have you seen that in your reporting? Yeah. I talked to a lot of genealogists and they mentioned a pattern, a trend, that when immigrants first come to this country, they might be fleeing or leaving something horrible or traumatic or coming here for better opportunities. And they want to forget the past. They don't want anything to do. They want to cut ties. Why would they want anything? They want to make their lives easier. Also, they might put their heads down and just want to secede. And then the later generations kind of miss and kind of, you know, want to know what happened before. Even this one genealogist was saying, her grandmother was like, why do I want to remember all that? There was a reason why I left that. So that follows their name journey too. One person I talked to, his name is Jaime. He's named after his father, who's also Jaime, goes by Jim just because it's easier for business and Mm -hmm. did not think of it as reclaiming, let it go or anything, just easier. After the break, we head to high school. Marion talks to us about how one 17-year-old is using her name to suss out her true friends. We'll be right back. Marianne, I know that you talk to a lot of young people for your reporting. Can you tell me more about the stories they shared with you? So there is this one 17-year-old, a senior in high school out of Irvine, California, Sumina. And her parents put a lot of thought into her name. But 
She said, little did they know they would give her a lifetime of never fitting in. My name is Sumana Nyana Shanmugam. The story behind my name is that my parents used numerology, which is sort of like like you go to an Indian like astrologist slash numerologist, and then you like find the specific time that you're born, they align it with a certain star. And then based off of that, they like designate like what type of sound your name should include or like should start with. So like for me, the priest said Sue. So they had to find a name that started with Sue. So then for me, they decided between many names, but they ended up choosing Sumana. I mean, that's really beautiful because, you know, some people, they like are like panicking. Oh, we need to pick a name. Just like, how can we pick a name? And here her parents put so much thought into this name and, you know, and now have bestowed it upon her. So what has her experience been like with this name? It's been really tough. She's been called all sorts of things. And to an extent, she lets it happen just to get through the day. So I get Sumena, Sumona, Samana, Sumana. Like with the range of like so many people at my school and how many interactions I have daily, like, I don't know, I go to an academically competitive school. Like these kids are writing AP literature essays, deconstructing like big pieces of literature and we know you're smart, we know you're capable, but like it's literally just the fact that you don't want to put the effort. And also I'm a senior and I'm about to graduate, so I just feel like it would be a waste of time to just correct everyone and make it a thing to like teach them properly because I feel like half the people they'll hear it and then they still won't get it, but they'll think that they're saying it right, right? Because I taught them. So I don't know, I just thought it was sort of futile to just make that effort. I could focus on other things instead. I, okay, I really relate to this because, you know, my name is one that when people look at it, they just, I think their brains, there's a short, like, it goes a little, like, haywire, which I totally, like, have empathy for. But at the same time, when you do have a name, like what we're hearing her describe, what it means is you have to spend a lot of time out of your day correcting people, bringing it up. And that's like real like emotional labor and just like actual time that you're spending. And I get why she is feeling like, you know what, I just have better things I can do with my time. I don't even want to bother with it. But I've also, you know, I've had the experience where when people find out that I've been letting them say my name incorrectly, they get mad at me <laughs> too. So I don't know if she has that experience, but it's it's just kind of like this thing of, okay, what battle do I want to pick today? Is this really worth it for me? If I want to like claim this name that I think so beautiful and meaningful for me, the real world implication of that is I will be spending a lot of time correcting people or just people asking me all sorts of questions like, where are you from? Where were you born? And I'm like, are you trying to get answers to my credit card security <laughs> like questions here? So she actually uses her name as kind of a litmus test. Like, do you really care? Are you really my friend? If they actually care about me in a way, like the true friends I have in my life right now, like at least one point in the time that we were friends, they've asked me, how do you pronounce your name? Or like, how do your parents say it? Because I know you say that you're fine with everything, but I feel like you aren't. So I want you to teach me. I really respect people in my life who take the time to do that. It's almost like a way of showing courtesy and respect and care, right? Yeah, I think Sumana and other people said, though, your name is like your cocoon. It's your sun. It's your North Star. It's your identity. 
And when people can't even say your name at the very least, they're disrespecting you of who you are, your very core. Marianne, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit more about your takeaway after hearing back from so many people who wanted to share their experiences with their names, from people who wanted to reclaim their name the way that you did, to people who had very valid reasons as to why they went by and decided to go by anglicized names. Has that changed your perspective on this issue of like a name journey? I think it's definitely a journey and not a destination. It's something you get used to. It's almost like your name is like that pair of jeans that you have to wear in and you have to feel comfortable. It's like an analogy for getting comfortable in your skin. And not everybody will do that right away. It's hard to find a perfect pair of jeans. And I was surprised that we're not as far as I thought we would be, that there is not acceptance. And yet we've come farther than, say, my mom's generation, where her name is Wanin, W-A-N-I-N, and her professor in grad school was like, you're Wanda now. And she just took it. She just took it without questioning. But I think younger generations and even newer immigrants are now not taking it. Like, Sumana didn't change her name. She's, you know, still goes by her name, and that's her name. So they're not changing it to fit in. They're defending it. I think that it's the acceptance that still has a little bit more to go. Yeah, and just hearing your reporting, it does make me think that there are so many people who are walking that journey and wanting to reclaim their names or are having these experiences, but that, you know, maybe the idea of an American name will change. Do you think that's true? Do you think that in however many years, like the idea that these names would be just as American as like Jim and Sue, that these names are just as American as those? Exactly. I mean, if people are naming their kids Daenerys for Game of Thrones and people can pronounce that, then of course names will change. And they'll have to because demographics are changing. America is changing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Marion Jiming Leo writes for About Us. It's a newsletter at the Post that covers race and identity. She spoke to my colleague, Alahe Isadi. If you have a name story that you want to share, Marion would love to hear from you. Help our reporting on how names contribute to our identities by calling 202 334 7060. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Christina Toshiko-Quinn. It was edited by Rena Flores, and it was mixed by Sam Baer. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Elahe Izadi, Lucy Perkins, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnik, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Svernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Chris Tamayo-Velasco. We'll be back Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.